What is up, my people? Welcome to the Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to a debrief and effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than the power of conversation? I'm Mark Francis in the host seat once again today. We are eagerly awaiting the the little baby Pearson. So um, just for preemptive scheduling purposes, we we told Caleb, go ahead and take the week off. I I think that's wise, and we're just waiting for that to happen. So Caleb, if you're watching, listening, cheers. We're praying for everybody, you know? So you, baby, mama, all the good stuff, and um, looking forward to seeing you back here soon. I have in the host seat with me also Miss Abby Lindbergh. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I don't know if I've sat in this seat with you in that seat before, so I'm excited for it. I'm excited to have you (laughs) in the conversation today. Once again with us, Senior Pastor Mark Carey. How are you? Good. Good. You you had some time away from the sermon, and now sermon spotlight, now you're back in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Another several weeks to come, back in the Acts series. Excited about, you know, this from my personal opinion, is one of the, one of the more f- my favorite Bible stories. I mean, you have all the stories of the Bible, mm-hmm. Old Testament, New Testament. This is one of the coolest. Yeah. So I'm excited that we're going to get a chance to unpack this. Acts 10. Mark, I'll come to you in a second. But Abby, give you give us kind of your, your big picture takeaway of uh, what you gleaned over the weekend. Yeah. Um, I loved the like power of prayer that you kind of brought on this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's been our focus with building bridges, too. Um and so, like, in part of this, when Emma and I were reading through it, Emma and I go through whatever you're going to preach on. Emma and I try to go through it beforehand. And nice. Then, <laughs> nice. And then we come back. Um, so one of the things that guess, we... Get, guess what he's going to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, one of the things we were kind of wondering, which I think you kind of alluded to already, though, was, like, what was Cornelius praying for? If he, like, wasn't truly saved and if he... Like, knew God, but not fully, he wasn't converted, then what was he praying for? How did he know to pray for that? First question, right out of the gate. Really good. (laughs) And and Mark, I know you had a lot of things to cover as well that you didn't get to, cutting room floor, so maybe this question falls in line with what you have to share. Well, first of all, I would say he he was, um, Cornelius, as we know, was... uh, um, enamored with had been taken in by Jewish by by the Jewish religion so he was following the Jewish uh, um, mindset uh, the Old Testament he the practices and so uh, the, the, the the Jews would have their times of prayer mm-hmm. and there would be prayers that would be recited and so my guess is there was some canned, Prayers yeah. that he was probably following after at the times of prayer and and saying those ritual type mm. prayers, um, but and it was a bit of a conjecture of what I said, but I do think he was a real seeker. I mm-hmm. do think there was he was, I do think Cornelius was plagued for a Roman soldier to throw off his. The the Roman pantheon and right. all that yeah. in Caesarea, not not mm. no less, in that Roman outpost, something was going on with him mm-hmm. because you just wouldn't have done that. So he was really taken in with the monotheistic Judaism of the day, and he saw something there. Uh, I never brought this out, but I thought, you know, there's that story in the gospel accounts where Jesus heals the centurion's um, mm-hmm. daughter is, or servant, mm-hmm. you know, and he said, just say the word. 
and he'll be healed. And, and Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Yeah. It makes me wonder, not that this was the man, but I bet would he have known him? Or word spread, or yeah. word spread. Whether yeah. was there, did he, or you know, did they pass uh, their their paths cross at some point? Because uh, when Peter began his sermon, he, or when he met with Cornelius, he says, "You know well this of Jesus of Nazareth." Who, right. You know, so um, there was something in the heart of Cornelius that was drawing him, and I do think he was. He was deeply, it says, devout, deeply religious, and he was on a pursuit of this God, not finding peace. And so he was mm-hmm. saying the Jewish prayers. Right. So I think it was more ritualistic. Okay. Yeah. He was there, but the personalness was not there. Yeah. And it was still a religion for him. He was doing the alms. He was doing everything physically and outwardly, the performance of the religion, but it was hollow. There was no peace. And I think that's why Peter mentions that Jesus came to bring peace. For peace. Yeah, yeah you mentioned that in your sermon. Yeah. You, you said that there is this heavy peace emphasis. And I had to look. I'm like, well, how, how, how do we see that? And he, but you're right. Because, I mean, verse 2 says he was a devout man and one who feared God. And that's capital G. That's, you know, so yeah. it's, it's sharing in Scripture that, like, he did have an understanding of the Jewish God. Yeah. And a devout man. And prayed to God continually. And so prayed he, continually. He was on, I, I think it meant, again, he was on the routines of prayer. He never, when it was time to pray, he prayed. And he prayed those Jewish prayers. And it, and it wasn't just a passing whim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it begs the question, the follow-up question of that is, you know, Romans, it shares that there is no one that seeks God. And so, obviously, God is the one who does the work to draw people to himself, mm-hmm. and he uses us as vessels to share the good news to people. We're talking about that in Building Bridges. But there is this, almost this idea that he was seeking God here in the text of mm-hmm. Acts. So how do you reconcile Yep, and that's, that's a great question. That's that. It, it, that that question is clearly, I think, so surfaced in this particular passage. Going back to the Romans passage, now Paul the Apostle did lay out in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 9, that he said, we, we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Uh, there's none righteous, no, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. All have turned aside, and it goes on and so forth. You know, um, There's none who does good, not even one. And there's this sense of the depravity of man i mean that there's there's that uh um you add to that romans 1 passage you you um first first corinthians um 2 talks about the natural man first um hmm. corinthians 2:14 i think hmm. it is mm-hmm. uh, says uh, you know the natural man the unsaved person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. So there is a sense, a person who doesn't know Jesus, there is a a spiritual deadness. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not striving and groping and trying to figure it out. It just says that um, it ends up being foolishness. They can't understand it. There's, there's, they're, they're not, it's not clicking in their mind. And it says that similarly in Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul talks about um, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, 
even as the rest. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. So there was a... Now, the, the question is, to what degree was the deadness? What degree was the under lack of understanding? Mm-hmm. Was a sense of foolishness? What degree was this none-seeking, no-not-one, pursuing something but not really f- seeking after the true God? And how do we mesh that with Cornelius, mm-hmm. who here's a guy who was devout, he was a God-fearer, he was clearly pursuing something desperately. Um, how do we how do we uh, justify that? Well, it's a great example of how there are people in our world today that are seeking something, some truth, and are not just landing on the the nail. They're not getting the hitting the nail on the head, and they need somebody to point them in that direction. Right. Yeah. And and we'll see in that, uh, chapter seventeen when Paul goes to the Areopagus in in Athens, and he sees these people, and he starts in his sermon. He said, uh, "You know, this God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on 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 all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that." They may seek God, if perhaps they may grope for Him and find Him, though He's not far from each one of us. Hmm. So there, Paul sees this picture of a of a man seeking and groping for God, and to me, that's a picture of what Cornelius was doing. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we um, kind of uh, merge these ideas of 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 man's total inability and not seeking God and and his deadness and sin with what was going on Cornelius? Well. I don't think it's that difficult. I think it, it's a, it's a matter of what you were just saying. God draws us. Mm-hmm. John six forty four mm-hmm. says that you know all that the Father gives me, He He draws them, um, and we talked about that actually last week yeah. in the podcast. Yeah. So somewhere, God initiates this, and again in this passage of chapter ten, and I did bring this out. You, you just can't miss. God is all over it. I mean, He is the one who grabs. Cornelius and does the angel thing and you know you talk about God initiating thing and he was the one the next day that uh, Peter you know has the vision and go eat and the spirit of God tells him to do this and do I mean it is all orchestrated by God you just right. can't miss that God is initiating this whole thing and I think that's why he selected Cornelius hmm. that there was this something that God had been doing in the experience in the background in the life circumstances of Cornelius that we don't know mm-hmm. But that drew, drew him to consider the Jewish God and and the Old Testament, and then um, be drawn to this deep, passionate pursuit of truth, and and not finding it mm-hmm. until Peter comes. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think both are true. Man does not seek God in and of his in his natural sinfulness. Mm-hmm. We, we can't. We can't understand it. it's foolishness, and yeah. and and yet God works, and He's drawing people. And he works in circumstances, and all of a sudden, there's this movement of people, and that kind of. Now, having said all that, we have an opposite example of that to chapter before with the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. He wasn't seeking God. Right. There was no sense of, uh, you know, I want to find out truth. You know, he was killing Christians. I yeah. mean, he was. He thought he had this thing all wrapped up, and he was not. And God whacks him upside that, down the head on the road to Damascus. It's just such a picture of. 
God at work. It's a and, God and at like work. you said, the, the title of Acts of the Apostles is a misnomer. It's the Acts of God. That's right. right. Yeah. Time after time after time, you see God. And I hear you, this is coming out of your sermons over the last couple of weeks more and more now, that it truly is a work of God. And I appreciate that. And I know Caleb touches on that and Tim touches on that when he's in the pulpit. But there, it's just we're, we're seeing this more and more now as we get deeper in Acts. Yeah. It's a work of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So when it comes to, say, each of our own stories— um, all three of us were raised in Christian homes. You know, we heard from as little kids and all that. We were blessed to be raised in that environment where we went to Sunday school and we went to church and VBS and did, did all the stuff. Um, doesn't guarantee mm. at some point we have to choose it. Choose it. We have to accept Christ. We have to yeah. believe that there, you know, the gospel is shared, but that responsibility on us is to believe it. Right. And we have to accept that. How does that happen? Uh, somehow God works that. He initiates it within us. Mm -hmm. He draws us to it. and uh, But we're held responsible to believe it. Yeah. One, and, thing, um, um, one thing Emma and I found too was some of the Romans, like they just kind of said Romans in general were attracted to Judaism at one point because of the experience and reason tied up with it. Like there's a component of reason, there's a component of experience. And for that reason, they like felt like they could get on board with Judaism. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. And I don't know if part of that experience was that they did know Jesus because he was around. The times in which they were living so that the stories were... Every time, there, I think there's five times in the New Testament where centurions are talked about, and mm -hmm. every one of them is a positive. The, at the cross. I mean, yeah. and the cross is one. I'm just this looking was at it right now. God. Yeah. And so there's this component where which centurion is this that is here in Acts yeah. 10? Mm -hmm. Is it one of those from the gospel passages? Right. Or yeah. is it stories passed down to the other centurions and other Roman officials that something is real here? Well, and what you were just saying, so then you were saying that. Um, there is some historical evidence mm -hmm. that it 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 wasn't it, it wasn't quickly dismissed. Right. This that there was something that was appealing uh, right. to to right. this And they might not have necessarily converted right. completely or anything, but they were just like, hmm, this kind of makes sense to me. I yeah. think I can follow well, along. <laughs> that, and but Cornelius is an example of exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Now he wasn't. Saved. I mean, he had not gotten saved. We know that from the next chapter, chapter 11. Right. He had not embraced Judaism fully as a proselyte with circumcision and the whole nine yards. Um, but he was clearly more than intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. He had embraced it to, uh, to some degree. He was pursuing this God. I think he'd come to the conclusion, this is what I have grown up with is bankrupt. Mm. Uh, but there's something here that yeah. is more than, and by the way, that's quite interesting too, because you, you could go the other way, because if you, if you judged the veracity of, of Judaism based on the religious leaders, you, you want to walk away from it because <laughs> yeah. right. they were hypocrites. Uh -huh. Right. And, and Jesus is, you know, throwing that up all the time. Yeah. So Clearly, it comes back down to God was working. Right. It was God's plan that Cornelius hear this, right. and he had orchestrated things in his life to bring him to that point so that Acts 10 took place. There's right. so many things to cover here. Yeah. And if I can shift the conversation, yep. because I want to touch on at least a couple of the things that stood out in the sermon. One is that there's no partiality with God. And, and yes, 
Cornelius reaches out to a Jew and that Jew enters his home. Mm -hmm. And there's this, this unity that is found by the, by the one true God who is bringing them together and seeing all this happen. And it's just neat to make those, I don't know, nowadays kind of stories. Cause we see all this disunity, we see mm -hmm. racism, we mm -hmm. see social injustices mm -hmm. and all the things of the world. And here is something that's speaking to us from the passage in Acts of there's no partiality with God. Mm -hmm. And for Peter to get knocked upside the head, by the way, three times, mm -hmm. <laughs> didn't yeah. touch on that in the sermon. How many other things did Peter get knocked upside the head yeah. three times right. in yeah. his life with Jesus? But for him to realize, okay, this is what God is trying to teach me. I better go do this. Mm -hmm. there, there's something to that component of the those times, Jews, Samaritans, Romans, and all the political stuff going on that mm -hmm. is like showing the unity of Christ. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I, I'm thinking that that was a pretty powerful testimony uh, in the of, of the early church in those days. Jesus did say in John 13, 35, they'll know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And, and you know, he said there is, uh, you know, that when that gospel message, it is, it is no respecter of persons. And no matter what you, what your your race, your gender, your he said free man or slave or mm -hmm. whoever it is, we all come be at, before the foot of the cross, and there is this oneness, which is why he would then say, oftentimes in epistles, so uh, do everything you can to maintain the unity mm -hmm. of the spirit in the bond of peace or in mm -hmm. the bond of love, mm -hmm. um, because there was every reason, culturally, um, um, societally, social, economically, whatever, to to um, be ripped apart by those, um, um, by that disunity and by one's mindset that, as I shared, the social scientists today try to figure it out. What, what is in, why is there's this innate mindset in our brains that want to separate and- The way we look, the way we act, the way we yes, talk, the and, where, where we're from. And so, so it is things. an us and them mentality yeah. Yeah. because there's something in the fallenness of, of our spirit, of our souls, of sin, that says, um, I need to, I need to be better than you. And here are five reasons why I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, it's, but the cross removes all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the triumph of the gospel was not just that people were getting saved. It was who was getting saved and how they were coming together. Right. The gospel was triumphing by bringing diverse people together under under one banner of of Christ. I, I, I can't, I don't think I've shared this recently on a podcast or if maybe it was a conversation I had with someone, but years ago when I was in South Africa and um, it was shortly after apartheid had ended and, and we were doing some work uh, globally in missions in South Africa and Tim McManigal, who was our missions pastor at that time, and I were in South Africa and we met with a guy who, he was a white South African. He'd gone to Dallas Theological Seminary where I had gone. And he was in process of working with a, um, a mixed race South African, colored South African, um, uh, who also had gone to Dallas Seminary. So similar in terms of theology, but in coming out of that culture of apartheid, 
like never the two will meet. Mm-hmm. And these guys were coming together and saying, wow, what a wonderful opportunity to see the power of the gospel come together. Mm-hmm. So they tried to bring their churches together under one ministry, shared pulpit, and 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 just to be a testimony to the rest of the world that the the world may separate us, but the the cross brings us together. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a mm-hmm. sad thing. He yeah. said it, the people's pe- flesh getting away. That's right. And mm-hmm. they just couldn't make it happen. Mm-hmm. It was too raw and, and and all that. It's it's really sad. So mm-hmm. I think where the spirit of the Lord is in a real vibrant way, all of those things are removed in terms of of uh of uh how we view one another and uh, and that type of thing. Now that doesn't mean there's not preferences and and uh, life um, similarities and and uh, look if I have a chance to next fall sit and watch a college football game I want to do it with a uh, someone from Nebraska, <laughs> not someone from <laughs> Iowa or Texas for Pete's sake. You know they why would I want to do that? Uh, put yourself through torture doing that. I know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, so I mean it's amazing how we just immediately. There, there are preferences and there are things that uh, are more we're more comfortable with. That doesn't mean that we should look down upon one another or think we're better than one another or can't fellowship with mm-hmm. one another. Right, yeah. And I thought it was interesting, too, that Cornelius invited like all his relatives and his friends over to witness this. It's kind of like he knew it was a big deal. That's and right. Peter coming into that, I mean, that could have that could have been pretty intimidating. If that were me, it's like, okay, if I say the wrong thing, all these people don't believe what I believe. They could easily turn on me. That's right. <laughs> and and so, Peter brought yeah. his brethren, it says, Six his friends as yeah. well that God sovereignly ordained so they could witness right. and see this happen. So when we get later down the yeah. road here, they will testify and yeah. be like, okay, this wasn't just Peter doing his own rogue thing. Yeah. Yeah. This has got at work. So there is this these witnesses and God yeah. moving and... You know who knows? I mean, there's a lot of people that got saved yeah. that day. And what about what about when he gets there? And I didn't bring this out, but he gets there, and uh, Cornelius gets down on his knees and it says worships him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would that not um, play to this sense of 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 better than better mm. than you? And mm. Peter yeah. could have in his flesh mm. could have worked that and milked that right. as uh yeah don't don't forget you lowly gentile you know but no it's, it's foreshadowing of two two chapters to come i think we we have these worship planning meetings mm. on tuesday mornings and get to hear and hear your thoughts but also study ahead and there's some foreshadowing of somebody who uh, is being kind of worshiped in that standpoint and yeah it doesn't doesn't end go well. well yeah <laughs> so yeah there's just just this multiple things uh, where you see again God working. What kept Peter from? I mean, he didn't hesitate. He no, get up. I'm a man mm-hmm. just like you. I mean, God is just all over this, yeah. and the Spirit of God working in both of these situations. Um, you know, here's a Roman centurion. It could have worked the other way. Yeah, we're you are a lowly Jew. We you are a conquered people. We are Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, uh, and he says. Um, and Peter says, why, why have you asked me to come here? And he said, we're here, we're gathered here to hear whatever God has commanded from you. Hmm. So he puts, hmm. here's a Roman centurion hmm. in charge of a hundred men. And he puts himself at the disposal of a lowly Jewish fisherman from Galilee. Hmm. Yeah, It's just, it's so neat. That's such a great passage. So you're kind of giving the segue to what I want to call our final segment here, because it's the end of your sermon where we, we heard 10 different uh 
I guess, principles that we can learn from looking at this example of how Peter was able to just share Christ and be a witness for Christ to someone else. Mm-hmm. And, and so that that's one of them, is that there is it starts with prayer, mm-hmm. but we're not going to rehearse all all 10 of those, but kind of, I'll, Abby, I'll turn to you. What what stood out from these principles that we can learn from Peter in in this passage? Yeah, um, I felt like it was really helpful just to hear you list them out, because I think it's all things we would consider mm-hmm. um, doing as part of evangelism, but having like a, almost like a process. It's a little, I don't know, I'm a little type A, I like the, <laughs> I like the, the process. Um, but yeah, I thought it was helpful. Uh, like we have students often in youth that'll come up to us and say, how can I share with my friend? Like, I, I know the story. I know my friend doesn't believe. Where do I start? And I think just like giving us those starting points was really helpful. Yeah. And what was fun is that I didn't pull those out of a hat. Straight from right. scripture. Just yeah. right there. Right yeah. right here. Okay, Peter, it's a model, an example. Um, yeah, we can apply those. It's yeah. great with our building bridges focus right now and seeing how it dovetails with Acts and, and really hence why we are emphasizing this idea of outreach and proclaiming Christ to where we live, work, and play because it, it falls right in line. I mean, Peter, yes, was set up the the softball for him to hit out of the park. But there's times where like, that's not always the case. There are times where, again, Peter in verse uh, 34, it says opening his mouth mm-hmm. there, you know, to me, <laughs> there, there is just a moment where I'll get like just stymied and I don't yeah. know what to say. And the I'm Arctic thinking, river frozen right, yeah. at the mouth, the frozen <laughs> at the mouth. That is me because <laughs> yeah, you don't want to either say the wrong thing or you don't want to offend somebody or you don't want to bring up a topic that, you know, might go down a slippery slope that mm-hmm. they might not like you anymore. And so there's, to me, that 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 step of opening our mouths after we pray and after we listen is one of the bigger challenges, I mm-hmm. think, potentially in our church culture today, not being bold enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, here, Peter had Cornelius pretty much say, tell me what to say. I mean, yeah. tell just, you're wide open here, have the sermon, have the pulpit, you know? Yeah, that's teed up pretty good. Teed up pretty yeah. well. But, so, but still, that, that idea for me is a principle that I think we could all grow in mm-hmm. of just being a little more bolder. And we'll, we'll, next week, we'll talk about this a little bit more, uh, I think, in the next sermon, because mm-hmm. we'll keep uh, filling in some of the details here of Acts 10 and then on to 11, because after all this, Peter's got to go back to Jerusalem sure. and tell him what had happened, and and that was hard. I mean, if he thought it was hard to go to Cornelius' house and, mm-hmm. and do all that, uh, to go back to Jerusalem, I think, was even more uh, frightening yeah. for Peter, because... He knew he had been there. Yeah, he knew what they were going to, uh, what what they were going to say and how they were going to respond to this yeah. thing. Yeah, so to justify it all. So we'll we'll talk about that and what to say and mm. uh, and how to engage it. You know, I think I think the bottom line though is we just trust the Lord. We pray. We're prayed up. We trust the Lord. Um, give our fears to Him, and then open our mouths. Mm-hmm. And it's the opening of the mouth. We have to make sure we're clear though what we're what where we're going with it. Um, and, and that is focusing on who Christ was Mm -hmm. and, um, rare is the person today, even in our secular age who would not agree that Jesus Christ was a good moral teacher, that Mm -hmm. he actually was real and he walked this earth and he changed the, the course of human history. Great. We can, so no one is going to argue with that. Mm -hmm. 
it's 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 taking it to the next step. Would you mind if I has anybody told you kind of like more of the story of who Jesus? Would you mind mm -hmm. if I just walk you through who Jesus said he was? Mm -hmm. And then whether it's the good old C.S. Lewis, he was either a liar or a lunatic or he was who he claimed to be. It's hard to really improve on that. Um, you focus on what he did and the fact that there's a, an empty tomb and the resurrection. And we know mm. from church history for centuries, people have tried to disprove that. And even those who have tried to disprove it end up trusting Christ as their savior. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, Lee Strobel is really a great cool example. Case yep. for Christ. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it, it, so we're, we have nothing to be ashamed of. We have nothing to be hesitant about. We, we've got all the, the truth on our side. And you look at the passage of, Holy, that's what I'm about to say. You look at the passage of Acts and the, just the empowerment of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and just seeing God at work should embolden us and motivate us and encourage us yeah. and just allow us to see, okay, if God is using a fisherman <laughs> from Israel 2,000 years ago, he can use me yeah. and witness to the person that I've been praying for, my my one, one, one person, right. you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, I think we're going to start seeing some impact around the church for that. And you may um, be only planting a seed. I mean, I read somewhere once that uh, it takes seven touches before, or, you know, connections before they're, hmm. you know, before maybe someone really trusts Christ. Uh -huh. You may be number three hmm. in that process. Mm -hmm. You you may not even have to get to the Jesus thing yet. Mm -hmm. You just, have you ever thought of who Jesus is? Well, sometime let's get together and talk with him. I mean, just, we don't have yeah. to stress because we're not going to save that person anyway. It's all right. of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We may be part of the process of that. Um but having said all that, no one ever gets to heaven without putting their faith in the truth of who Jesus mm -hmm. is and what he did. Mm -hmm. So at some point, yeah. they're going to have to hear that. Yep. Right. I really liked your point, too, of no one's getting saved from observing your good deeds. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've, we talk about like living as an example. And so I think oftentimes we get caught up in that. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm doing what I should be doing. But yeah. It's like, well, you also got to speak yeah. so, so. <laughs> that's right you, oh, my frozen mouth right. yeah that's right there yeah. you go. at some point uh <laughs> yeah I'll just f finish the deal yeah uh -huh. close yeah. the deal yeah well i'm excited because again I, I see god at work in our church body i mean even as we go through this building bridges focus um studying the book of acts together having conversations what community groups are doing different uh, just people getting together for discipleship groups i mean there's just a lot of things going on and i just continue to encourage you guys to pray because that's where it's at. Um, but then let God use you because mm -hmm. that's that's where we are in our culture today. People are looking. They mm -hmm. need that hope. Yeah. And Easter's around the corner, people. So if you haven't thought about it yet, the person that you are praying for, if they're local, hey, it's a great opportunity. Invite them out to church. That's right. Um, it doesn't have to be Easter. It can be any time. And that's not what's going to save them. <laughs> it's going to be but, God. But you know what? If there's an opportunity... That's yeah. one way to open your mouth. Christmas and Easter, that we own them, mm -hmm. and uh, so let's let's make use of it. Yeah, and great opportunities to talk with people. Let's have the building overflow. Yeah. on Easter, might as well. So, just a few upcoming things. Uh, this coming Sunday night is our fellowship family meeting, meaning that like we are a body of Christ and we're a family. So. If you're a part of our church, we want you to come out to hear the things that are going on behind the scenes, get some vision from the elders, hear from different ministry updates, and it'll be fun. Um, always, uh, it's a fun time. 
There will be dessert afterwards, so stick around for the food, drinks, coffee, you name it, that'll happen. The following Saturday, Saturday is our um, fellowship workday. So we would encourage you to sign up for that just to let us know that you're going to come from 9 to 12. Just do a little bit of beautification of the campus to prepare for that Easter season and make sure that, you know, uh, things are looking nice and tidy and sharp. And it's fun. You get a chance to serve next to people and uh, maybe meet somebody you don't know yet and uh, just get to know people in your family here. So that's coming up uh, again. Easter, go on the website for all those things. There's going to be different Easter service times. There's Good Friday services. Uh, we'll start talking about that in the next few weeks as well. So, yeah. Abby, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks. Mark, once again, appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. Well, the fact of the matter, guys, that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.